We're going to talk about two different words here over the next couple of weeks uh, that I have planned. And so the two words are transactional and transformational. So the idea of a transaction is something that we're buying and selling, and each one is trying to get something from the other, basically. I pay a certain amount and expect something in return for what it is that I do. That's a transaction. Transformation is typically something that I am working to better myself and learn from and grow from to transform into something that that I am not right now, to accomplish something different or better than where I am today. And I want to apply those two words to our faith because there's a, a large contingency of folks across the country and in maybe even in your world that see faith as a transaction. That, that you do something and expect something in return, and then that's the end of it. So one of the illustrations for me uh, happened uh, a number of years ago. Um, we were visiting the state of Indiana, and uh, we have some friends there, and we were visiting church. It was a Sunday morning, and I was helping out with uh, some things at the church that morning. And my wife drove separately to the church. And while she was seated at a red light, she pulled out to look into the incoming traffic, and an older woman uh, kind of veered in and hit the, the back end of her vehicle and the front end of my wife's vehicle. And so there was a small accident, and no real damage, but they got out of the car to talk about what had just happened. And my wife was apologizing. Sorry, I was just trying to see if around the cars. And and this woman proceeded to say something that has stuck with me ever since. And this was probably 15 years ago. She said, well, I just came from church and a lot of good that did me. In her mind, in that moment, going to church should have kept her from getting involved in this little fender bender even. There was a transaction that happened somehow between her and Providence <laughs> because she went to church A plus B equals C. And that's just, it's just a bad way to view your relationship with God. And yet it's something we all struggle with, right? We all think about, God, why do you let these things happen to us when I try so hard? When I do my part, we all slip into these things. And so I want us to, to back up from that way of thinking and to think more about what is it that I need to learn from what I am going through. Obviously, 2020 was a year that none of us could have expected. None of us could have even written a story about, probably. There are lots of movies out there that, that end in tragedy and things, but 2020 was the reality for our world. And to think about it now and look back at where we've come and what we may have needed to learn, we have to be transformed. We have to turn inward a bit to look at where we're at and what we have learned from a year that was full of challenges to our faith. 
And so do we have this kind of transactional faith between us and God that I go to church, I do the things I'm supposed to do, and in return, God takes care of all of the things that I want and all the things that I need and nothing bad ever happens to me? Or do I have a transformational faith that that means I trust God, not my circumstances? That even in the bad circumstances, my heart is transformed by what I'm going through because I have a deeper faith and a better faith and a better understanding of the world I live in, and it's transforming me to think more about eternity. So do I think A plus B equals C? Do I go to church and it's transaction and I'm good? Do I go to church to listen to the Word of God and think, how do I, how do I become more trusting of my God? How do I let Him into my heart and into my life to help me get through the circumstances that I am engaged in in this world? So I thought we would look at several men uh, over the next couple of weeks, and, and I'm going to invite Ben and Josh and maybe some others to speak into this as well with some of their favorite stories. The first story that I picked out was Abraham, because Abraham is a story that we know from the Old Testament. It's in Genesis. Most of the beginning of the book of Genesis talks about Abraham from about chapter 10 or 11 all the way through to 26, 27. And so there are a couple of things that happened uh, to Abraham. First of all, we see that that Abraham in chapter 12 was promised to become a great nation. That God promises Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And out of that line, I will make you a great nation. I will make Israel a great nation. I will then bless the whole world through you. And we know now today that that means out of that line, out of Abrahamic line, is going to come Jesus that we just celebrated through the line of David right through to Joseph. We know that that was how God was planning to bless the world. And it all started with Abraham there in chapter 12 and the blessing that God gives to him. And so Isaac is born to Abraham and Sarah in their old age, and that blessing begins to show itself to be true. God, in the circumstance, delivers on his promise. Now, Abraham could have easily begun to think that, that that promise and that transaction was done, right? That that. Abraham's faith by leaving the country that he loved and by moving to where God wanted, he received Isaac and the transaction was complete. Now he was going to become a great nation. But God wanted more for Abraham. God wanted his faith to be transformed, to be about trusting God all of his life, not just for one big transaction that needed to happen. And so If we find ourselves here in Genesis chapter 22, you'll see Abraham is going to be tested. Sometime later, in verse 1 of Genesis 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And then God said, take your son, 
your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. God asks Abraham. The details of this we can't quite understand. We, we need to understand that they are in the sacrificial system, that, that worship is different, that, that they would take animals, and that there were sacrifices that would to be made to express their faith and their trust in God, and one of them was a burnt offering. They'd build an altar and place an animal on it, and it would be consumed by fire, and that aroma would be pleasing to God because it would be their act of worship. And what God is asking Abraham to do is to take that initial blessing, Isaac, that thing that Abraham could have thought, this is the transaction. God, I did what I was going to, what I told you I was going to do. I listened to what you asked me. I went to another land, took my wife and my family, and you gave me Isaac. We're good, right? And yet God tests his faith here in chapter 22. He tests his faith by saying, Abraham, do you trust me with Isaac? Are you willing to make it about God and not Isaac? Because sometimes even our children can become idols in our life. We work so hard to protect them and give them all the things that they need to get ahead that we forget we're not really in control of that. What if God wants something bigger and better for them? What if we're actually the ones holding them back? Because we've made this transaction with God. We're going to go to church. We're going to raise them the way that, that you want us to. And God, we're going to make sure that, that they end up where you want them to be. <laughs> and we cut God out of the equation sometimes. Abraham was going to have to face that in this moment. Because God is saying, I want you to take Isaac and I want you to return him back to me. I want to see what kind of faith you have. Do you believe that this is a better way, that I have your best interests at heart? In Genesis chapter 12, God promises many descendants to bless the whole world. We know all of that. And then Isaac is born to them in their old age. He's their only son. And God says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Now, we know that this is a, a question to Abraham in this moment. Would you be willing to part with your only son? We know now that God was willing to do that very thing for us, that he was willing to, to separate from his only son for a period of time for our benefit. So he wasn't asking Abraham to do something that he wasn't willing to do. Abraham answers God by his actions. He doesn't argue with God. He gets up the next morning in verse 3 of chapter 22. Early the next morning, Abraham got up. He loaded his donkey. He took him, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. 
On the third day, Abraham looked up, he saw the place in the distance, and he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there and we will worship and then we will come back to you. The transactional view of this. Transactional view. God, I'm doing my part. This is nonsense. I already lived the way you want me to live. I moved my family. You gave me Isaac. If it was a transactional view, Abraham would have been really upset and said, God, this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why you're doing this. This is my blessing. This is what I deserve. If it's a transaction between you and God, you're going to get upset when something happens to what you perceive you deserve. If it's a transformational view, you trust God. You trust that he's going to provide. And that's what Abraham basically says here without saying it out loud. In the next verses, we'll hear it for sure. But, but here it says to the servants, stay here. We're going to go over and we're going to worship. And then we will come back to you. He never tells the servants what's going on. He has complete trust that that. God will return both of them back to where they left. Verses 6 through 8 in Abraham's words. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. He placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and he said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Isaac would have been familiar with the process, and he would have seen the fire, he would have seen the knife, he would have seen the wood, and said, I understand where we're going and what we're doing, but we're missing something. The actual sacrifice. And Abraham answered to his son in that moment, God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. So Abraham has now taken his second journey as a transaction, right? If you're thinking about it and keeping track, Abraham left his homeland, left his people, went on his own, gets Isaac. Now God says, I want Isaac. I want you to show me that you're willing to give up your one and only son. Abraham does it. He leaves. He goes to Moriah. He sets up this altar. He's got his son, and his son says, What's going on, Dad? There's no lamb for the sacrifice. But Abraham still trusts God. He doesn't argue with God about, This is what you gave me. This is what I deserve. This is how the deal works. I made a transaction with you, God. He simply says that God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Isaac understood this basic circumstance. He, he knew, but he was following his father's faith. He didn't know what was really going on. He was just following his father's faith. So, so you've got this legacy piece of it here. You've got Abraham following God with all of his heart, trusting him, and leading his son to trust God as well. Even though Abraham knows this may cost Isaac his life, Abraham is following God. 
And Isaac is trusting his father to do what is best. Abraham's relying on God's nature, his character, what he has seen God do to provide a lamb. You have to ask yourself in this moment, is my trust in God or what God does for me? Those are different things. Is my trust in God's nature and how good and right and true he is to me and to you and to the rest of the world as a result of thousands of years of taking care of his people? Do we trust his nature, his character, or do we trust what is happening today? And if things aren't going my way, if, if God's not holding up his end of the bargain today, then all bets are off. Do I have a transactional view of my relationship with faith or do I have a transformational view? Does my faith transform who I am day by day as I go through my circumstances? Do I fall more and more in love with God? Because I know that he loves me. Oftentimes we're going to need to face that question. We're going to need to face that question and right up into the very moment of truth, we're not going to know what God may have planned. We don't know what is best for us, let alone what is best for the generations that are following us. How we live in the face of trials, temptations, struggles, how we endure those things affects the people that follow us. Just like what Abraham was doing as he led Isaac closer to God. Genesis 22, verse 9. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there, arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac. He laid him on the altar on top of the wood, then reached out his hand, took the knife to slay him. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. <coughs> he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. In college, I had a guest speaker come to chapel and he told this story his own way. And he said, as he came to this climax, the the son laying on the altar and Abraham raising the knife and he would say, just in the nick of time. And that phrase stuck with me as well. That just before the very worst possible outcome in Abraham's mind, God intervened. God steps in and says, Abraham, 
Don't do this thing. I'm providing for you a ram. He looks to the thicket and there is the ram and they worship God together, Abraham and Isaac. And Isaac knows how much Abraham trusts God. This is an incredibly powerful thing. I can't even imagine doing it with my only son. To say that I am willing to sacrifice my son if God asks me to. It's an incredibly painful thought. But would I be willing to, if God were standing in front of me, pursue God so wholeheartedly to show J.D. that I love my God? What is it that I need to do in my daily life to pursue God in such a way that they know God is the priority? And I trust God, not just with the outcome for my life, but I trust God with the outcome for my entire family for generations to come. God provided. His timing often eliminates all kinds of earthly explanations. It leaves us with only him to thank. In this moment, Abraham could have looked around for another animal. He could have bought one. He could have taken one with him. He had all kinds of of ways to sacrifice. He could have brought one along just in case God changed his mind. But he didn't because God said, this is the path I want you to go. I want you to go with you and your son And I want you to sacrifice him. And just in the nick of time, God provided something that was without earthly explanation. We're not going to know all the time how God is going to, to handle our circumstances. We're not going to even see the way out of it here, earthly speaking. It's our trust in eternity, our belief that that God has something better for us in the long run that will get us through our circumstances today. We're going to use a couple of verses as we have the opportunity. I'm going to try to use this every week. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2, because this one specifically fits today, that helps you understand what the writer of Romans here says when he's talking to us in the in this New Testament story we've seen Abraham and Isaac we understand the the burnt offering system that these were pleasing things to God Romans 12:1 and 2 says and so dear brothers and sisters i plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior or the customs of this world. Don't try to figure it out by the way you know, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how No, then you will learn 
to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Have you made a deal with God that is based on your daily circumstances? Have you created this kind of transactional relationship where you say, God, I'm going to do things the way you want me to do them because I think that's the best outcome here. Because I know that if if I do this, you're going to take care of me, you're going to bless me. Or, or have you placed your faith in a God that, that you are uncertain of the future, but you know who God is? You don't trust necessarily your circumstance, but you trust God in the circumstance. Are you working for the deal of the day? Or have you taken your faith to the level of eternity with God? Do you trust Him with everything you have? Everything. Not only today, but for your entire future, for the future of your family? Has your faith transformed your legacy? Have you offered your body as a holy and pleasing sacrifice? Do you see every day that way? That that I'm going to sacrifice my intents and my desires to please God. I'm going to become that sacrifice, that living sacrifice every day that follows God. As Abraham followed God to Moriah with the intent to sacrifice his son. Knowing the character of God. Do we understand what that actually means? Have you made a deal with God that is based on your daily circumstance or have you placed your faith in Him for what you need for eternity? There's a difference in viewing things how they're going today, right? As opposed to what they might look like in the light of eternity. As we talk about these different men throughout the next few weeks, I hope that you understand I care about your heart. I don't your circumstances break my heart. It 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 troubles me to know that we have struggles in this world and it's painful, yes. But how much you demonstrate your faith in and through those circumstances and, and that you understand it all in the light of eternity is what is beneficial to your legacy. That will change generations. That will motivate people to do things that you never thought were possible. So think about whether you have a relationship based on transactions with God, or are you allowing God to transform your mind in the circumstances you find yourself in so that you can trust Him more with the next circumstance. Father, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories and for how you resonate them in our own hearts. Lord, I pray that this would be encouraging to people, that that you would use the word to to continue to grow people's uh, love for you. Lord, thank you for taking good care of us. Thank you for, for generationally putting men into my life 
and family into my life that have led me closer to you, that I can look to them as an example. Lord, I pray that we would do that for the generations that come behind us, that we take your word and bathe every daily circumstance in your promises, that you are faithful and that you are good. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for another year. In Jesus' name, amen.